Hello, good people of Earth, and welcome back to Across the Pond, the best podcast in the world. And it's so good to have you back, whether you're watching us live or whether you're listening to us after the fact. Chad, good to see you, buddy. How's it going? I believe you had your second jab today, um, and I believe the side effects have been quite interesting. So how are you doing, buddy? Are you, are you hanging in there? Hanging in there, Barry, by by a thread. You know us guys when we when we're not feeling up to up to standard. It's the classic man flu, um, except yeah, <laughs> this time courtesy of of Pfizer and the second jab, which I actually had on Sunday evening. So as we record this, this is Tuesday evening, and uh, yeah, I mean yesterday Monday I was completely fine, no side effects whatsoever, and this morning it had knocked me four or six. Um, you know, oh, kind of managed to crawl my way out of bed after a very restless nights of sleep. Uh, night chills, uh, you know, upset stomach, all of that kind of stuff. Not ideal, but I'm hoping it, it passes by. How are you doing? You've, you've had a you've had a busy day. Yeah, I, I'm also. I've been through the ring a bit in the last couple of days. Haven't had much sleep, so also running on fumes a little bit, Chad. But we're gonna marshal whatever energy we have left uh, for this episode, and then I need some sleep tonight. Hopefully, gonna get some decent sleep so I can get back on track. I don't. I don't know about you, but when I've had a few nights where I've just haven't been in that eight hour like that solid, you start to feel worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, so hopefully, I'll get a, a decent night's sleep tonight and get back to my feet tomorrow. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, 100%. It's so important. I know we, we always talk about it at the beginning of the episode, um, but it, it is it is that precious eight hours sleep is super precious. And now that I had, I think I, I had officially kind of five hours and 50 minutes, according to my, my smartwatch. Um, but, you know, it was more than eight hours in, in actual sleep times, like eight and a half hours. It just shows you that restless sleep. Um, and yeah, I've definitely felt it today. So anyway, glad that it's the, that it's the end of the day. Um, and we've got a jam packed episode to look forward to loads to talk about today. Let's start with the week that was the week that was. Chad, we're going to start with the biggest story in the world at the moment. Something that's been taking over all the news headlines, and it's it's quite a tragic story and quite a difficult one to chat about. But we just have to tackle it because that's what Across the Pond is all about. And of course, we're talking about Afghanistan. Over the past couple of days, we've seen a a real, a really ter- like a big turmoil in the country as the U.S. have started to exit the country, and all of a sudden the Taliban have come and and, and captured a lot of the major cities, including Kabul, the capital. And so there's lots of chat about here, but let's let's set the kind of the context for those who haven't been following the story and haven't quite understood what's been going on. Twenty years ago, we had the, the the terrorist attacks on the two twin towers in New York, and it was one of the biggest attacks we've seen from a terrorist perspective, and probably the most vivid. I mean, everyone can remember where they were when they sure. saw the the footage of those towers being hit, and it it, it caused a, a obviously a massive uproar from the Americans and whatnot, and they and they went back to try and figure out who did it to them and how could they kind of retaliate, how could they get some justice for what happened. And basically, what happened was it started kickstarted a war with with Afghanistan back then. So George W. Bush decided that he was going to send troops into Afghanistan because that's where they assumed Al Qaeda was at the time. And uh, that that was a war, Chad, that lasted years and years and years and years. And 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 slowly, slowly and surely, the, the U.S. kind of got a stranglehold in the area, uh, managed to start training the Afghani soldiers, and the whole idea was that they were going to keep there they're going to stay there until they had trained the afghani army well enough giving them the resources and the ammo and whatnot to be able to fight off the taliban themselves 
because of course the Taliban are this this really radical Islamic group that takes the Sharia law to the extreme and it doesn't really fit with a lot of the democratic ideals we see in the in the rest of the world. And so the US were there for 20 years in a very very controversial fashion. A lot of people didn't know, weren't sure like what exactly were they doing there. I mean they spent chat I think it was over a trillion dollars they invested sure. into that war over the 20 years. So it's a humongous investment from them. And lots of people died of course in the fighting over the years and it still wasn't a stable country. Then if you flash back to about three or four years ago, maybe five years ago now, when Barack Obama was was in, in office in the US, he was the first guy to kind of say, cool, we're going to start putting the troops out because they were getting pressure from America saying that why are we spending all this money on these army bases and everything in Afghanistan where we have more pressing problems at home? And so with him and then Trump as well started to pull troops out of Afghanistan and, and Biden as well uh, in his office. And literally a few days ago, it was the last one. All the NATO troops were drawing out and all the U.S. troops were drawing out. And unfortunately, Chad, within a matter of probably 24 to 48 hours, the Taliban came right through and completely controlled the country now. So almost in no time, 20 years of work went down went down the drain, Chad. The president flee, uh, fled the country. Um, the U.S. fled the country. They evacuated all of their embassies and, and the ambassadors and all of that. All the soldiers are gone. And unfortunately for the people of Afghanistan, they've been left absolutely high and dry. So, yeah, really, really tragic story and uh, lots and lots coming on this in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, Chad. Um, but that's kind of the context. Does that kind of help foundation-wise? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, the, the Middle East is is extremely complex and there's lots of different bits and pieces, but I think you've, you've done a, a great summary here. Um, I think I think worth noting, Barry, obviously as well, that as soon as the US left and the Taliban took over, it was without any resistance. They almost kind of just walked in and, and I, I watched, I saw kind of two different maps um, with the, the control that the Taliban had, like let's say a month ago, and you can see the highlighted regions. And then, you know, as soon as the evacuation happened, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, unilateral type control. So, uh, yeah, very, very uh, interesting times. And, and there's certainly, like you said, going to be lots coming from this, um, you know, over the next, you know, in the next months, weeks, whatever the case is. Um, but I think as we stand now, the world is, is trying to digest this and, and kind of understand what this means. Uh, what what does this mean for Afghanistan? Um, I think, like you say, US, USA is concerned and, and also, the, you know, the UK had soldiers in, in Afghanistan as well, you know, through the years. Um, and, so, and so the concern was that it, you know, under the Taliban rule in the 90s um, was, was I think it was for, for five years or so, um, was, was that, it, you know, Afghanistan would become a breeding ground for, for kind of terrorism. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, th this is the reason why, uh, you know, all of that expenditure happened to, to try and kind of keep that under control. And, and now the question is, well, what, what are their intentions now? Um, you know, how, how, how are they going to rule? Um, and so just before we started recording, so today is the 17th of August, um, the Taliban actually held a, a press conference. I don't know if you, you had a, a quick watch of, of any of that, Barry, a couple of things mentioned there, um, which, which I found really quite, uh, quite interesting to, to have a glimpse of too. Yeah, so I didn't watch the press conference itself, but I was reading a Twitter thread where someone was summarizing the main points. And it's it's very interesting to watch because, of course, our minds all go to the worst case scenario. If you think about the, the extremes of Sharia law, there's a lot of concerns about women's rights, about kind yeah. of uh, human rights in general. Um, because I, under, under the, the traditional Taliban kind of 
worldview and ideology, it's that radical Islam fundamentalism where it's like women cannot be educated, women cannot yeah. leave the house unaccompanied by a man, women can't drive, all of those like things that we've tried to move past in our progressive sort of Western ideal of what, of what society should be. And the Taliban realize, of course, that there's going to be retaliation from the democratic world. And so this is, almost feels like a little bit of a, uh, let's try and get ahead of this thing before it gets too crazy. And they apologize for some of the deaths that happened as they were taking over. They apologize for the way it happened. They said they made some mistakes. And then they try to reassure everyone saying that, cool, they are not going to infringe on women's rights. They're not going to kind of um, kill anybody. They're going to pardon anyone who is fighting against them as part of the Afghani army. And they made a whole bunch of these promises almost, yeah. Chad. It, it almost felt like a PR spin, which is very strange from a terrorist organization. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's it makes this thing much more complicated than, than you'd like to admit. <clears throat> and I think what I wanted to chat about, Chad, um, what I think is quite interesting about this is that from our perspective, this obviously looks like evil, right? It looks like an evil um, group of people, and why would they do this? And and we we are heartbroken for the people in Afghanistan. But from their perspective, they think they're doing the right thing, mm. and that's the and that's the, the the strange thing about human psychology and about ideology is that you can get yourself into this state where you convince you're doing something the right thing, and unfortunately, the other person thinks they're also doing the right thing. And so that's why this is not a simple good versus evil type situation. It, it's yeah. it's very much a a, a, a battle of, of ideas, a battle of ideology, and essentially religion at the end of the day, because that's where a lot of this is yeah. coming from. Um, so what are your thoughts on the press conference, Chad? Like, what did you think when you when you watched some of it? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it was a total PR PR stunt and PR spin. Um, you even you even heard some of the you know the people chairing the the press conference asking for international questions because obviously you know a big part of that was reassuring locals and and saying you know we, we want you to stay, we need you, we need your skills, all of that kind of stuff. We, we'll give you, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll forgive you for everything you've uh, you've done if you have help, helped. Um, you know the opposition all of that kind of stuff uh, but then to, to actively go and ask for international journalists and, and their and their questions um, there's no doubt that that you know they're trying to set the set the scene and and, and try to get cooperation from uh, from from the western countries of course when the Taliban were in rule before I think there were only five countries or something that actually recognized them as as the ruler of the time and so the question now is is you know whether uh, neighboring countries and certainly the Western world are going to actually recognize officially and, and deal with uh, with them as as the government of the day. And then, of course, you, you've also got to look at all of the, uh, you know, the international aid that goes to Afghanistan and, uh, you know, whether whether that's in jeopardy now as well. And so I think the, the, the reasons for having a, a PR uh, type stunt and, and a press conference like this are, are, are clear. Uh, they, of course, want to portray that, you know, now they're ruling, everything is kind of under control. Um, th 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 like you say, all of those statements they've made that, m made that women will have rights uh, within Islamic law. So that's within that, um, you know, Sharia law. We obviously don't know what all of that kind of stuff means. Um, and and straight off the bat, you know, I was watching BBC and, and you already see conflicting uh, stories from people on the ground who have heard of, uh, you know, people getting assassinated and, and people knocking on doors and looking for those who were assisting uh, translators, all of, the, all of those kind of things. So, you know, whether you, whether you believe everything that was said in the press conference or whether it is a case of, uh, of waiting to see what they actually do, you know, in terms of their actions, I, I definitely think the world is going to be watching with bated breath. 
Definitely. And there's been some really kind of damaging scenes and some really scary pieces of video that have been coming out of these places, like you say, showing the absolute fear and concern from a lot of the Afghani people. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you can pull this video up on the notes here, Chad, but yeah. it, this video really kind of got into my bones because it shows a, a U.S. Um, plane leaving, obviously taking some, some U.S. citizens or whatever going, and thousands of Afghanistan people trying to hold onto the plane, like desperately yeah. trying to get into the plane. And so the video is, is, is really difficult to watch, and it's really kind of – you really feel for the, the poor citizens who are desperately, desperately trying to flee their home, right? They're trying to flee their, their own country and find some sort of refugee status somewhere else. Um, and all the roads up to the airport are being completely blocked by cars. People haven't been able to get anywhere near any of the ports or any of the airports. So really, like, really, really scary scenes. And after you watch this video, Chad, the next image is going to show you that in this plane, they put hundreds, if not thousands, of, of Afghanistan citizens in without seats, just randomly in the yeah. plane to get them out of the country. So this shows the pure desperation from, from those people on the ground and the fact that um, – this is this is a really really dangerous situation. It's, it's one of those it's one of those where you can't quite fathom exactly what the plan is, or what it looks like on the ground. So there's the image chat of all the thousands and hundreds of, of people in this plane, in like a cargo yep. plane, basically being shipped off. Um, to who knows where. So lots of questions as to what is going to be the response. Of course, the U.S. are in a difficult position now because in 20 years ago, they would respond immediately because that was kind of their, that was their MO. But they've, they've done this so many times. They've gone into these regions. They've tried to install peace. They've tried to install democracy. They've spent a hell of a lot of money and controversially and haven't really succeeded. I mean, if, yeah. if, you, if you leave the country and hours later, all of your work is gone, I mean, that's a bitter pill to swallow. So the question that I have, and I think everyone has, is: Is this the end of American interventionism? Like, is it the end of the America being like, we are the good people of the world, we're going to go in and we're going to fight, we're going to figure it out? Um, so we all waiting to hear. Biden kind of gave a very mediocre response. We we'll have to wait and see how things kind of plan out in the next couple of weeks. But also, what is the UN going to do? What is NATO going to do? Yep. What is the UK going to do, etc.? Um, because yeah, it's a really really tough situation. Yeah, I completely agree. And and just looking at those at this image, um, just you know, pushing in a little bit, the the kind of the kind of mixed emotions that you that you see here, you know, a lot of a lot of people are are, are actually relieved uh, to to be on that cargo ship and be leaving, and and naturally others are, are are really concerned for what their future might hold. I mean, just imagine being in that position, Barry, where you have to literally suddenly uproot your entire life leave everything behind um and 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 just try to survive ultimately um which is yeah it's, it's just it's, it's just something i can't comprehend myself um in, in terms of the uk i did i did hear that that they are planning to evacuate uh, nearly 7000 people um which which, which is a, a it is a big number and uh, you know you've got to wonder where they're going to take everyone as far as i understand this particular us flight went to qatar um, so, you know, where everyone's going to get settled, uh, you know, we certainly yet to see, um, but, but loads of questions, Barry, loads of questions. And in, in, and in terms of as things are on the ground, on, on the other side of the coin. So just to talk to your, this is not a, a case of kind of good or evil, um, point, point of view, there's peace on the, on the streets. So 
it depends how you define that. There are people standing there, militants with guns, um, you know, who obviously, you know, going to fight back for anyone who opposed them. But ultimately, there's there's no more fighting happening uh, in Afghanistan. And and I'm not saying that this is, you know, this is positive rule. Um, but but you know, there's there certainly have been, you know, some people are, are are even are even happy just to have that that sort of level of peace, um, even though it comes with so much uncertainty and and especially you know with 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 women's rights and and education. Uh, you know, what happens to the education system is it uh, is it kind of i heard a lot of people talking about worrying about it becoming like brainwashing type or, or that ideological type education rather than a you know a, a balanced or level um type system and so loads of questions um i just i just couldn't put myself in this position um and, and just imagine what all these people must be going through yeah, exactly. And I think I just want to clarify my statement about the good versus evil chat because it could yep. be misinterpreted. I do think this is evil. I like I, I sure. don't want to get that wrong. But all I'm sure. saying is is that we can't it's too naive to think that these are just malicious actors and they're just doing it because they want to destroy the world. They want to destroy their country. It's like, we have to understand the ideology ideology behind this. And your point about the education, the brainwashing is spot on because hmm. if you look at how these, these kind of dictatorships have happened over history and how these fundamentalist kind of ideas have have transcended cultures and societies it's through propaganda it's through like a, a author, authoritarian government taking control of the curriculum taking control of the media taking control of the information that a, a country is given and and bending it to their specific point of view and and so where the internet is so good at democratizing information and giving everyone a voice and kind of bringing all that around the opposite is where you get like mandated speech and mandated ideas and that is dangerous and so as we as a democracy, as we try and figure out how do we respond to these sorts of countries, whether it's North Korea, whether it's Russia, whether it's Afghanistan, whether it's even if, we, if it's if China in certain situations, we have to understand that we can't just fight this thing. It's not just war that's going to win this. We have to find a way to 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 change the ideas or to come to come through when it comes to economic sanctions or political sanctions or, or try and find other ways to get to them. Because unfortunately, fighting just reinforces the idea that they're also fighting for the right cause, right? When you go and yep. fight them, they're like, cool, they want to be martyrs. I mean, a, a lot of the terrorism we've seen are people being martyrs because they think they're doing something amazing that's going to get them into their version of heaven. Um, and so it's a really, really complicated one. It reminds us, Chad, I saw a great tweet saying that freedom is not free. It's just a reminder that like to fight for freedom and to have the freedom that we have in in, in our respective countries, Chad, we should not take that for granted. Yeah. Like I was thinking about like how we have the freedom here to say what we want. We can criticize the government. We can have different religions. We can have different backgrounds. And for all of South Africa's flaws, that freedom is, is really, really great. And, and the same in the UK. So I think we should keep that in mind as well as we build our democracies is that Freedom is not free, and this is an example of what happens uh, if you let an ideology or a dogma get control of a government or control of a country. It's just a, a terrifying place to be, and it's not inclusive. It's not tolerant. It's this kind of one-way or, or disappear. Um, so, yeah, our condolences to everyone on that side, and we'll keep watching the story over the next couple of weeks. Um, really tough to see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, I guess there's not much more to add at this point. It's just to to kind of watch and see see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, some positive in intervention uh, in the next couple of weeks. To to go a complete 180 degrees, Barry. So to talk about um, you know the, the, this this level of chaos and um, yeah, I mean just just this intense level of chaos and to to then 
contrast it with with what's happening in New Zealand. Um, it ju- it just feels you know to, to to mention those in the same sentence in the same week uh, just feels insane. So New Zealand has now entered a nationwide lockdown. Okay, so basically in all, in Auckland uh, there was one COVID case, a single COVID case, Barry. And uh, based on the assumption that it is the Delta variant, uh, the government have decided to enter a, I think it's a one-week lockdown in Auckland, and in the rest of the country, three-day lockdown, um, which is which is just insane, really, um, if, if you consider the case numbers elsewhere in the world. Um, obviously, you know, New Zealand have uh, pretty much lived a, a COVID-free experience for, for, the, for the bulk of this uh, pandemic, and so there's, there's a lot that, you know, they, they've done well. Um, but you know, in terms of that kind of reaction and, and whether it's it's justified, I'm keen to hear your your take on it. <laughs> oh, Chad, it's a it's a really difficult one because it, it feels like government overreach to me. I must be honest. Yep. I, I don't think it's justified. And if I was a citizen there right now, I'd be very frustrated because this is exactly the sort of thing we worried about when when all of these these new regulations came into place. Was are we just giving governments the 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 chance and the possibility and the power? to just do what they will and just kind of restrict freedom yep. whenever they want. And this is an example of that happening in the sense where like the Delta strain hasn't got out of control there, like you say, one case. And yes, of course, you can talk about the risk of it spreading. You can talk about their slow vaccination program. You can talk about the risks when it comes to the healthcare system and whatnot. I get all that. But um, this sort of reaction just kind of, it's, it pushes the wrong buttons in my in my opinion. I think that we need to start moving beyond COVID. And I know, it, I know it sounds hollow to people who've lost family members and people who are still struggling with COVID and whatnot. We have to start to live with this disease. You, we, we cannot get into this idea that we're going to get this down to zero cases, right? Yeah, so like the definitely. fact that New Zealand had zero cases for a while is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's, it's, it's not like you can keep zero forever. This is not how these things work. And we've been chatting about that right from the beginning. So it's very much a, a misunderstanding, in my opinion, of, of what this virus is going to be for the next 10 years. If you think mm-hmm. we're going to get rid of COVID before like 50 years time, you've you got something coming, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a virus we're going to have to learn to live with. And if you can't live with one case, Chad, then, I mean, you're going to live in lockdown for the next 20 years. So, I, yeah, I think it's a bit crazy, to be honest. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I saw the headline and... I just thought it was, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Even though they have done really well, a single case, surely you can contact trace, um, you know, a, na- a na- nationwide lockdown um, with, with all of the, you know, economic uh, effects and all that kind of thing just, just seems like an overreach, like you say. I've also seen, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot coming out from, uh, you know, Kiwis who are elsewhere in the world, so who are not in New Zealand at the moment, not being able to get home. Um, and I've heard, you know, all sorts of stories of, uh, of you know, a lady who was on a three-month visa in the US who is now pregnant and has a high-risk pregnancy and can't get back. She's applied for like an emergency, um, basically to get into the MIQ, which is the, the mandatory quarantine system, and, and has been rejected six times. Um, so th- there seems to be this, um, this kind of divide uh, between you know New Zealand people themselves and and, and I've, I've heard it by, by speaking to friends who are who are from New Zealand um, yeah where, where essentially you've, you've got the people who are in New Zealand um, effectively ostracizing those who who aren't um, and and saying you know you it was your choice to leave uh, you know now you've, you've got to kind of deal with the consequences which uh, yeah I mean for anyone who's a citizen of any country um, is, is is a very hard pull to swallow. 
Yeah, definitely. And that's the problem when you have these mismatches between the policies in different countries, right? When, you, when you're not all on the same page and the US are like not not letting people stay longer than their visas and New Zealand are not letting you in, it, it really does get a yeah. bit, bit tricky. Um, and I think from a, it, it almost becomes a moral conversation. People look down on you, Chad, as if like, okay, why, yeah. well, why did you travel then? Why did you leave? You know, And uh, it's, it's very easy to get on that high horse and be like, well, of course mm-hmm. you got COVID. Look at you. You did, you did X, Y, and Z, or you did this, right? Um, and it's just, just not, it's not, it's not a good way to live, and it's not a good no. way to kind of conduct yourself. Um, and I think New Zealand have been, have held themselves quite rightly as one of the the countries that have done the best when it comes to managing COVID. Um, and they've 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 kind of got a big bit of an ego about it, I think, got a bit sure. of a big head about yeah. it. Um, but the fact is that they've had it much easier than every other country because they're an island in the middle of nowhere, and so it's very easy to kind of block yourself on the rest of the world. It's not as easy if you're a landlocked country or if you're a bigger country or, or kind of a, a, a more um, powerful economy in that sense, and so yeah, I think it's 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 a weird one. I I understand both sides of the the the, the, the story, but I just think that the moment you're giving your government the chance to lock down the entire country on the basis of one case of a virus that we're not going to get to zero anyway, I think you're in trouble. Um, and so I'm, I'm I'm wondering what the what the fight back is going to be from from the opposition in in New Zealand and from the citizens themselves. Um, I know if that happened in South Africa, people would just not even. They wouldn't yeah. follow the rules. <laughs> they would just go out and do their own thing anyway. Um, and so, I mean, they were doing that when there were thousands of cases. So never mind one case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens and how that how that lockdown goes down. But I agree, uh, this thing is here with us. Um, I, you know, I think their their vaccination rates are, are kind of at around twenty percent of the population. So as much as they've done good in other areas, they they're falling behind in that one, a very important one in in learning to deal with this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll certainly follow it as things go on. Then let's move on, Barry, to some stuff we actually found interesting. Stuff I found interesting. All right, I'm going to start off today um, by by going back like a number of, I don't even know how long ago was this. And this is, this is a problem on this podcast is, you know, Barry will <laughs> find something interesting and he'll pop it up here. And, and naturally at some point I need to go and catch up and, and vice versa. You know, it happens from time to time. And we ended up talking about it twice, but I'm perfectly okay with that, Barry, because now that we are both on the same page, let's talk again about the um, you know magnificent masterpiece uh, that was Parasite. Um, it is, I think, free to watch on, I think it's Amazon Prime uh, for all of those in the UK. And uh, yeah, I gave it a watch this week. And, uh, you know, just, just that trailer. And, and when you watch the trailer and you see all of the reviews and what people, you know, summarize, the, the trailer is like, it's super odd. You don't know what it is that you're going to watch. Um, but one of the reviews that stuck with me is, is you know, it, it takes you in a certain direction and then all of a sudden, it is something completely different. And of course, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I don't know the exact uh, quote on that, but uh, that's exactly what I found, Barry. Uh, where you know you 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 are taken in this one direction, you kind of almost it's almost cringeworthy in a way. You're like, oh, this family are really taking advantage of this rich family. They they're really nice people. Um, and then and then it just turns. It just turns completely. I, I loved the film elements like the the actual the actual shots and scenes the storytelling was was just exceptional um and then you know i was really quite surprised about actually watching something in a foreign language reading subtitles and i was more surprised by my fiance being keen to do that 
And at the end, <laughs> saying to me that she didn't even realize it by the end that she was even reading subtitles. Um, so, you know, it says so much for, for all of the films that we've lost. Um, some Well, all the films that we've not watched um, because we've been put off by, by subtitles. Um, but this one, if any of you listening have still not watched it, uh, is one that you definitely need to see. It's such a good point, Chad. I'm glad you finally got got around to, to giving it a watch because it really is a masterpiece. And and like you say, the best way to watch it is not knowing anything about it. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, don't go and read reviews. Don't go and yeah. read plot lines. Just 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 trust us and just sit down and watch it because it is one of those movies that is very innovative in a way that I really appreciated. I don't know about you, Chad, but I felt that a lot of Hollywood movies in the last couple of years have been a little bit stale. Like the plot lines yeah. are pretty predictable, pretty stock standard. The characters aren't that interesting, and yeah. you've got eight thousand superhero movies and how many more can you actually do right so it was so cool to see parasite because it was a completely different experience very innovative in the way like you said they directed it the the, the cinematography and all of that but also just the way that the story unravels is so different to what we typically see in hollywood um and i, I thought it was absolutely amazing and i i went and watched a bunch of interviews with the director and stuff afterwards because i was so fascinated by it and when you like listen to him talk about how he put that thing together it really is a like a, a proper masterpiece mm-hmm. he thought about every single piece of that chad and so that, that feeling you explained at the beginning where you was like oh this is a weird genre what what are we actually watching here that that's all on purpose because all he's trying to do is set up that foundation of just kind of comfort and okay cool this is a bit of a strange movie we're just going to kind of go with it and then it hits you over the head towards the end with 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 what what you know so yeah it's it's i think it's brilliant I think that it was a, a groundbreaking one, like you say, for, for foreign films. I kind of can p- parallel chat. I'm busy, busy watching Money Heist at the moment, which was originally a Spanish film, okay, was, yeah. a Spanish series, sorry. Um, and I'm watching an English dubbed version of that and really enjoying kind of the unique eccentricities of, of, of Spanish theater and Spanish movies. Um, and so that's really cool to see. So I'm, I'm hoping with Netflix kind of getting more involved in these foreign films and kind of bringing more of them to our eyes, hopefully we can kind of in, in, indulge in some of these new cultures and these new ways and find some new directors and some new thinking. Because I, I don't know about you, Trevor, I'm not I'm not that interested to watch Spider-Man 63. I want to go and see <laughs> something unique and yeah. something interesting. And Parasite is one of those. Yeah, it's so true. And I don't know, have you found as you've have you become a bit, a little bit older, Barry, maybe that's why you're not keen on Spider-Man 63. I mean, there's been so many releases uh, that are actually in the cinema right now that I've been wanting to go and and, and watch. But I've, I've kind of found excuses to not go and see them every single time. And, and so what's ended up happening is, is a lot of my favorite like Marvel films um, have, have kind of just passed by and I still haven't seen them, um, <laughs> which is interesting. And, and like you say, I'm, I'm now drawn to, uh, to, to these you know, pieces with a lot more emotion and, uh, and, and just intention behind them, I guess, um, where it's, it's not simply just you know mindless entertainment and it's it, it encourages thought and um and, and real like deep feelings um so yeah this is definitely one of those uh highly recommend to, to go and watch it i mean just 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 that contrast between the beginning where i was almost even like giggling some some of the times at, at, at some of the kind of you know cultural pieces and, and some of the the chirps between the family members uh to to the end and and, and it just grips you all the way through um, and, and yeah, that ending, oh my gosh, uh, just, just insane. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll not say, I'll not say too much more there, but I agree with you. Money heist. I've heard good things about, you go and watch that oh. as well. And, uh, Chad, yeah. 
Chad, Money Heist is superb. You have to go and see it. It's it's it's. I'm only I'm only towards the end of the first season, so I'm still quite far behind. I know I'm catching okay. up late, um, but it is absolutely superb. My favorite show at the moment. So I'm hoping that that uh, I'll come back and, and talk about that when I'm finished uh, a decent part of it. Um, but really, really brilliantly done. So you must get check that out if you can. Looking forward to hear all about that from you, Barry. Hope you hope you hope you've been taking some notes. Um, so we've got <laughs> loads to chat about. I'm, I'm keen about that. Uh, the next thing I found interesting this week is um, the legend himself, uh, Banksy. I'm sure you know of Banksy, Barry. Um, and there's so many so many things to talk about here because here is a guy who goes onto the streets of, of London and the rest of the UK and and literally like vandalizes, you know, uh, <laughs> people's homes and vandalizes like public uh, places and and what you end up having after that is um you know councils that are, are proud of these pieces and people trying to protect the works and all of that kind of stuff obviously because he is you know the legend that he is i mean he's got 11 million followers on instagram um i mean his his artwork is is exceptional he uses like stencils it, it is graffiti at the end of the day um you know, but he's a mystery. He's a mystery guy. No one knows what he looks like. He kind of struts along, struts along the streets, and and does his thing. And I wanted to talk today about uh, his his latest kind of IGTV video that he released on his uh, Instagram channel, and that is the Great British Spraycation. So he went down, <laughs> I, th- I think, to the coast somewhere. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to pull up exactly where. Um, and and did his thing, Barry. I think he left uh, he left a, a a fairly big number of pieces in his wake. Um, obviously, released this released this video that he he recorded while he was doing all of these. And and you obviously wish you had seen him him doing it. But somehow he he's able to to get in and out and not even be noticed, um, and and leave behind all of these pieces. Now the thing that I wanted to talk about today as well is that. Some of these pieces have been already protected by the places that, uh, you know, where, where, he, where he actually laid them down. And so I've, I've heard some of them have been like boarded up until they can figure out a way to, to protect them. Others have been defaced, Barry, um, which, which for me is also really very interesting. And I don't know whether that is actual, you know, locals not being, not being happy with the artwork. Obviously, some of the artworks have like, you know, political type messages or, or you know, undertones. Um, ultimately, this particular one we're looking at now with the boat, I believe the council removed that boat because it is covering uh, like a drainage uh, area. And, and obviously they didn't want that to, <laughs> to clog up and, and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm keen to get your take on this in terms of how, how we've grown to love man who, who look, I mean, look at this, strapping a tongue uh, and, and some foam, like a, <laughs> an ice cream uh, on, a, on, a, on a statue, like actually breaking, like actually breaking the pavement so that he could spray a picture of, of a person shoveling on the wall right next to, right next to it. Uh, where do we draw the line here, Barry, between art and vandalism? Keen to hear your thoughts. <laughs> Oh, Chad, it's it's such a good question, and, and uh, I think it's it's one that 
I don't know anyone who doesn't want Banksy to exist in the world. Sure. Like I think that it, like it, it it's a it's a net good for society in my mind because of how innovative he is and how interesting he is and the fact that he is this mystery man that no one knows who he is. <laughs> um, and so from from a neutral perspective, obviously you love seeing it. You you love kind yeah. of going on Instagram and seeing him do it. I, I have a vivid memory of that that painting that shredded itself while it was being auctioned. Like those kind of moments are just priceless when it comes to art, and that's what art is supposed to do. Art's supposed to challenge us. The whole the whole point of art is to push out of your comfort zone and to make a point and to and to really kind of raise your voice and say something and the best way to do that chad is to do something that that is is polarizing and do something that is gets us talking about it and so i i'm all for it if it was my house maybe i wouldn't be for it if it was my wall that he was graffitiing on um but like you say it's become almost a, a cultural um hero of of britain in in a sense and he, he is one of the most famous artists in the world for for a reason um and yeah so i don't know i don't see it as vandalism chad i think that cool. as as long as as long as it's not um overly kind of provocative and, and some of these like you say have have a message behind them but i, I don't think they're crazy provocative um it's just interesting to see how he is he's going about the world and and I can't imagine living that life, Chad, where you're doing these these random kind of uh, yeah. master vigilante artworks all around all around town, and you can't tell anybody about them. You just <laughs> got to pretend that you're some random bloke who's driving an RV around Britain. Well, this is the thing: is you've you've got an Instagram page, and you have you have a website uh, where I think he actually publishes each of the the uh, pieces that he does. And from some of the uh, the outcry from some of these pieces, he's actually gone onto the website and removed. So they were previously recognized there. He then removes them, um, you know, because of the messaging being, uh, you know, touching touching the wrong nerve type of thing. Um, I mean, the next dimension to this is those people who uh, kind of added, so defaced and 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 changed and added to uh, his artwork. So in this in this first one here, we've got like a crane uh, up on top of you know people sitting on a bench. And then some random person who I think his name is Emo because they've written their Banksy collaboration Emo uh, decided, oh, they put some teddy bears um, because, you know, clearly that's what, what Banksy intended. And so, yeah, I mean, I find that I find that really, really quite, uh, quite interesting. I mean, this this particular one here, Barry, is like a model village. Um, and, and what they've now done is, uh, I mean, his particular piece here wasn't wasn't exactly uh you know pleasing to the eye it's it's literally go big or go home he's written on the side of this little uh, model hut and they've actually like sealed it up and <laughs> said okay cool now how are we going to protect this thing <laughs> um you know people have to be supervising when when people are able to kind of actually attend and, and look at this and so it's, it's it's just crazy for me like just just the idea that that, that this that this one guy is uh you know has is so well recognized um to the point where his works um, it's is so you know kind of fought over by uh, by councils and and residents alike. I mean, look at this one. This one here. This one here was actually uh, you know covered up by the council um, because of you know because of the actual message it was sending. So very interesting. Um, you know, I, I find this kind of thing fascinating. And and you're right. Uh, whenever I see a Banksy piece, I, I'm just excited to be to be near it. 
he's a marketing genius, Chad. Like no matter which way you look at it, he he thrives on this sort of controversy. And and when a when a city council is painting over your artwork, Chad, it means that you matter. It means yeah. that you're doing something of substance, right? And so like he he understands how this game is played. He understands the scarcity idea. He understands the mystery. He's not on Instagram live talking to his fans. He's being very much in the dark, yeah. just doing his thing. And I'm glad that people like him exist in the world, whether you like his art or not. He's a he's an innovator and a maverick in that sense, and uh, there's only one of him, and and that's really special. So yeah, I find it hilarious that that some people are kind of, yeah, putting the glass box around or trying to make some money off the fancy painting <laughs> that appears on their wall, exactly. Um, which I, I totally get as well. Um, so yeah, really really cool. And if you've never looked at a Banksy piece, now is the time to go and check out what he's done because he's a fascinating fascinating artist. And it's not the kind of artist that you can look at and be like, oh, I don't get it. Or it's not one of those abstract yeah. modern artists. He's very, very concrete in that in that sense. Um, so yeah, very cool. Yeah, really cool indeed. I mean, just really cool for any artist to have that that distinctive style that immediately you recognize their work. Um, I, I guess that's what every artist in any field uh, are, are aiming for ultimately at the end of the day. And he's he's definitely got that nailed. Um, Barry, we've got some stuff to, to look ahead at. Uh, so let's then move on to our next section. Looking ahead. Now, Chad, whenever Boston Dynamics, the, the famed robotics company, comes out with a new YouTube video, I'm yep. on it like wildfire it's like as soon as i see that notification or as soon as i see that 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 new video i am clicking on that thing straight away and they've got a brand new one out that came out today at the time we're recording chad um and it's these two robots doing parkour and it's hard to it's hard to explain you have to go and see it so if you're listening right now please go and check out the youtube video um it is pretty insane and as you watch this robot doing parkour, jumping off all these different um, surfaces, up and down, does a backflip towards the end, it just reminds us that robots are getting better and better and better. And they're looking more and more human every single time I see one of these videos. It's, it, it's a little bit scary in some cases. Um, and I think it's just amazing that the techno technological advancements we've seen in robotics just over the past five to ten years, Chad, um, it's absolutely insane. Jumping over boxes, <laughs> kind of doing this, and then they do these, these synchronized backflips. Oh, wow. Here we go. And bang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's wow. Double it's, it's really insane to watch. Double backflip, a little celebration, and, and that is it. So it's just a reminder, Chad, of, of where robotics is going. Um, I think we, we've, we've chatted about the, the, the spot, the dog robot that we, that we, we saw on a couple mm -hmm. episodes ago and how that's have some industrial use cases and a lot of the businesses. Um, but these human robots, Chad, in, the only use case that comes to my mind is taking over the world. So I'm a little bit worried about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, w what does a robot need to be doing parkour for? Um, although, to be fair, it's a very dangerous sport. Um, so, you know, if you could if you could have a robot simulate it before an actual human goes in and does it, that, that could be a, <laughs> a use case for a, a very, very small percentage of the population. Um, but, but yeah, that is very impressive to see, definitely. Um, obviously, with the coordinated backflip, uh, it is certainly like pre-programmed. So, so I think we, we, we can rest assured from that point of view that this wasn't freestyle parkour because that would be... <laughs> Um, you know, a bit crazy. And, and obviously, if, if a robot could do that uh, freestyle, 
Um, that, that would add to its use case because, you know, having a robot in a factory able to dodge obstacles, jump over it, you know, go do all sorts of kind of things, uh, you know, it, it just increases the, the potential uses for, 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 for to have those robots so uh yeah really impressive i i know how much you love and care about boston dynamics as a company um so yeah thanks thanks for sharing it to be honest i mean in terms of the the innovation that you've seen obviously we've got the dog we've, we've now got these uh, human looking robots um is there much else that they, they they're currently working on or are they kind of looking at perfecting these these two uh models if you'd like so I think those are two the, the two of the most widely known models, but they've got about five or six different robots that they that they work right. on. So th this one isn't like a commercial product at the moment. This is kind of their their baby that they're testing out a lot of cool stuff on. But when you look at the dog robots, and they've got a lot more that are are less impressive on, from the eye. They're not as aesthetic because they're not look like a human or a dog they're just basic warehouse robots but they are powering a lot of the logistics industry around the world and if you think about amazon mm. and those companies like that who are starting to make their their warehousing completely automated it's those sorts of robots that they really make their money on and so those are the ones you're not going to see the videos of them doing backflips but they'll they're really <laughs> making a difference in logistics sure. and in manufacturing around the world and that's where the world is going in that sense a lot of this automation is coming down the pipe very very quickly and if you're an amazon employee and you're one of those packers or you're one of those pickers i mean your job is not secure you, it really isn't because these robots are getting better and better all the time um i think what's quite exciting about these human robots is that the use cases that we see are potentially using that for disabled people so taking the arm for example and if they can figure out how to make the arm as, as dexterous as possible and really yeah. work really powerfully if you have an arm amputated or your arm doesn't work anymore you can theoretically use one of those robotic pieces and, and that's quite exciting so i see use cases in the biomedical space but also just in warehouses if you can have a, a basic robot that isn't doing backflips but that's carrying boxes around it's it's going to make a big difference to your overall line because they don't need holidays they don't need to sleep they can go 24 yep. 7 exactly. all yep. of those good things right and so yeah boston dynamics is really on the forefront of this they are very much an r d type company um, but they are slowly starting to move into commercial um, commercial expansion, and the, those dog robots are doing really well. They've sold a, they've sold tens of thousands of those to to industrial companies around the world. So, yeah, it's it's just really cool to see the way they do it, and their social media is just brilliant. They just know how to build intrigue and build these. I mean, this thing probably took a lot of money, a lot of time to figure sure. out, but the, that that two minute video video is worth its weight in gold. Like if you're if you're a young smart person and you're interested in robotics, that's the company you want to work for. And so I, I'm assuming they're just sucking up all the great talent and all the the excited, ambitious people who are working in robotics. Because where why wouldn't you want to work with a company where the robots are doing parkour, right? Yeah. And so it's this great understanding of how to use publicity, how to use viral videos to build awareness around your company, and then you commercialize things that actually have a use case. So I really love the business, as you can hear. <laughs> Yeah, we all knew that already, Barry. You didn't have to tell us again. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, love, love, love the passion. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly, certainly is is great marketing, um, even even though it is literally just them showing off what what this thing can do. Um, and and just to your point about not needing holidays, and you know, just just the efficiency gains, uh, the predictability, all that kind of stuff. It it is. It's terrifying. Um, for all kind of human workers whose jobs are, are potentially replaceable, um, this is by physical, um, you know, robots. But but ultimately, you know, artificial intelligence is, is ticking on uh, each day as we go, and and so many of these of these tasks that we do, um, which you know have kind of measurable inputs and outputs, let's say, 
um, might actually be able to to be replaced. So so absolutely terrifying. Um, and uh, yeah, Field will no doubt keep a beady, beady eye on. Um, Barry, do you have anything more to say there or shall we move on? I mean, I could talk about AI for hours, Chad. So it's probably a good <laughs> thing go. that you cut me off. Um, but I think it's yeah, it's spot on, and we'll have to watch what happens in the next couple of years. But very excited about the industry. So now, before I get carried away, Chad, let's move on to develop and grow. Develop and grow. Flying through this episode, Barry. We are we are flying through in good time. Um, Develop and grow this week. So obviously at the top of the episode, um, I kind of forgot to to mention my disclaimer that because of the way I was feeling this morning, I may not be as as sharp and snappy as usual. Although that's that's not the case either, because I, I to call myself <laughs> sharp and snappy is not two words I would use for myself. But anyway, um, what what it, what it has done to me this morning is, and and this always happens, Barry, where you kind of take for granted how good being healthy feels. And so as soon as you have an ailment of any kind, um, you know, you just, you just wish you could, you could be back and, and how much better you would, uh, you know, how much more you'd care for yourself and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and so it's just a reminder, you know, to me and hopefully now to the listeners as well, that, uh, you know, appreciate and cherish being healthy. Um, it's, it's a, it's a perfect sort of goal to, to just strive to be healthy. We, we talk about prioritizing the sleep, um, you know, ultimately exercise, uh, you know, but just also mental health, knowing where you are at any particular point in time. Um, yeah. And then, and then just, and just appreciating it. Like, you know, having, having health, it's a cliche, but health is wealth, and and it's and it's so true. And this COVID crisis has 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 really, um, you know, shown us that too, where you know just to be able to have loved ones and be able to you know care like care for them, show them how much you love them, be both being healthy, being able to to have that hug, all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it, we we just really ought to look after ourselves a lot more and uh, and just appreciate it when our bodies are working as intended. And we know this, Chad. We've heard this thousands of times, but somehow we always find ways to deprioritize it. Work will get in the way or, or like other things you're doing gets in the way and we forget to take care of ourselves. We forget to to focus on that health. And unfortunately, you, you kind of get used to that normal, Chad. If you're operating at, say, 50% and you're eating bad foods and you're not sleeping well and you're kind of not exercising, you kind of assume that, okay, cool, this is what living is about. And I'm just going to feel fatigued all the time. I'm just going to feel down. I'm going to feel flat. Or I'm going to feel uh, ill or sick or whatever. Um, and when you actually fix that and you realize, oh, wait, there's a whole nother level of living that I just didn't even realize existed just by eating some vegetables or drinking some water mm -hmm. or getting some good sleep, right? And so it's, it's again, it's one of those things that we we all know intellectually that health is important. And we all, we all, we'll probably all say to each other, yes, my health is important to me. I, I, I really am. I, I, but, but do our actions actually show that? Are we actually doing what we need to in order to, to keep ourselves going? I've certainly found that in this last week, I've been working very long hours and I've got this tendency when I'm working long hours to eat junk food because yeah. I'm just looking for some sugar, looking for a high, looking for something. And even though I know it's bad for me and it's going to make it even harder to work those long hours, I still do it because it's that that, that, that instant gratification of saying, cool, I can eat chocolate now and I'll feel better for a couple of minutes. Um, but it, it, it backfires in the long run. And even though I know that, I don't act that out. And 
same with being ill. It's only when we're sick that we realize, oh, mm. wait, if I just looked after myself and I didn't do X, Y, or Z, then I wouldn't have to deal with all of this pain, all of this this, this suffering. Um, so a very important reminder for us, Chad, and it's something that we have to keep like focusing on. Health has to be something you prioritize amongst everything else because it's that lead domino that kind of affects every other part of your life. Yeah, it, it totally does. And and you're so right about kind of getting used to your level of, um, you know, your imperfect level of health. So, you know, when was the last time you went to the dentist, for example, Barry? I mean, I haven't gone in, <laughs> in ages. And there's a, there's a, you know, there's a couple of fillings that need some work. Um, but it's, it's one of those where you just, you know, you get into the rhythms, you kind of just get used to it. Uh, there's always something more important to do. Um, and, and that is not okay. Like we need to start prioritizing it because it's 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 very important. Um, so yeah, just a just a gentle reminder uh, for everyone, and uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully you you prioritize it in ways that we haven't ourselves. But we're learning, we're trying, <laughs> we're developing, um, and that's all that counts. So Barry, I think that that basically brings us to the end of the episode. Um, I did want to mention that next week we have no episode um, because I I will be taking to the skies again and uh i've i've you know been in consultation with with my my uh, fiance and holiday times are not podcast times and so <laughs> i get that I, I get that that's okay so yeah we, we're going to try and switch off relax um and and come back feeling feeling pretty fresh so uh yeah looking forward to that I'm very jealous, Chad. You're going to have to come back in two weeks' time and give us a full rundown <laughs> of how the trip went. I know I'll be seeing lots of cool photos and stuff on yep. your on your social media. So I'm very jealous, buddy. I'm going to have to live vicariously through you. Um, but I think it's the right idea. Get, get disconnected. I think we all miss some of that mm. sometimes, right? Definitely. We go on holiday and we still, we, still, we still think we need to be completely plugged into the world. And I think it's a mistake. So it's much better to take that time off and fully disconnect and kind of get away from things. Because that, that, that time alone, that time with a partner, that time to just enjoy life is, is, is few and far between. Especially yeah. after the past 18 months or so that we've had. Oh. Um, and so, Chad, I'm jealous. But uh, I wish you all the best and hope you travel, travel safe. And we look forward to hearing all the stories on your return. Yeah, thank you very much. Looking forward to it as well. Uh, hopefully all goes as planned, obviously, with... Uh, with regulations and uh, you know restrictions, uh, it's it's not as easy as it once was. Uh, lots of rapid tests <laughs> and uh, you know PCRs on return. I think now because I've had my second jab um, with, within 14 days of returning, it should be all good. So uh, yeah, we, hopefully it just all goes smoothly. I guess is is, is my main point. But uh, I agree, it's important to, to kind of shut off and come back feeling refreshed. So. Thanks, Barry. Uh, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you when when I get back. Um, in the meantime, thanks for listening to today's episode. Um, you know, as always, we love to hear from you. Please share us through your network because uh, you know ultimately we want to reach as many ears as possible. Um, and uh, you know, last but not least, check us out on all social media platforms. Uh, we're on Twitter at across underscore podcast. We're on Instagram at across the podcast and. Uh, you know, we're on Facebook as well, Across the Pond Podcast. Uh, and you'll find this on YouTube too. There's a link uh, right down in the in the uh, episode notes below. That's all from me. Barry, anything more to add? 
I just wanted to say thank you to we got we got quite a few messages this past week talking about how mm. much people enjoyed the last episode, and I can't I can't even tell you how much it makes our day when we get those messages. So thank you to those who kind of sent that feedback. And last last episode clearly was a, a good one that resonated with a lot of people. So we really appreciate those messages. Those messages are our fuel. And so if yeah. you are listening from wherever you are in the world right now, let us know. We really do love to hear like where you are, who you are, and where you're listening from. Um, because after all, the show is for you. And we want to keep making it better and keep making something that is valuable and worth your time because your time is super important. And the fact that you spend an hour with us every week is, is incredible. So we're very grateful for that. But until then, we will see you in two weeks time for yet another episode of Across the Pond. Pond, Across the Pond.